So by now, everybody has heard that a live round was fired by Alec Baldwin on the movie set of Rust, killing cinematographer Helena Hutchins and injuring the film's director who was standing behind her at the time. That much is clear, but what isn't so clear is who is responsible and what all these terms flying around mean, like armorer and live rounds, dummy rounds, hot guns, cold guns. So how does understanding those concepts paint a clearer picture of who is to blame for this terrible tragedy? Well, you're about to find out. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you are watching Lawyer Up. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the movie Rust and the relevant players that were involved in the shooting incident. We are going to take a crash course in firearms and ammunition with an emphasis on what you traditionally see on a film set. Then we're going to look at the specific firearm safety rules that are put into place by the Actors Guild that should be followed on every film set. We're going to look at exactly what happened on the set of Rust that led to the death of Helena Hutchins. And then finally, we're going to talk about who is to blame. Did somebody violate the rules? And if so, what are the potential consequences, both civil and criminal? If you enjoy the episode, hit that like button for me. If you got a question, you got something to say, put it in the comment section below. And remember, if you haven't subscribed, do so right now. Last but not least, all of our episodes are available on the major podcast formats. So let's start with the movie. The movie Rust is an American Western set in Kansas in the 1880s. It was written and directed by Joel Souza, starring Alec Baldwin, among others. The plot involves outlaw Harland Rust, played by Baldwin, who goes on the run with his 13-year-old grandson after the kid is sentenced to hang for an accidental killing. Filming was suspended after cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed and director Joel Souza was injured, when they were shot by a prop gun fired on the set by Alec Baldwin. It was a gun that was presumably loaded with a live round by Hannah Gutierrez Reed, the film's armorer, and it was declared cold or safe by Dave Halls, who was the assistant director. So let's start with a little background about the five individuals that were involved. Now, everybody knows Alec Baldwin. He is the eldest of four brothers who got his start in showbiz acting on CBS's Knott's Landing. He has starred in lots of movies and earned numerous Emmy and Golden Globe awards for his role on 30 Rock. He also won an Emmy for his portrayal of Donald Trump on SNL. Helena Hutchins, age 42, was born in the Soviet Union in 1979 and she grew up on various military bases while her father served in the Russian Navy. She was educated in Kiev, and it was there that she met her husband, American Matthew Hutchins. They moved to Los Angeles, where she enrolled in the prestigious American Film Institute Conservatory, graduating with a master's degree in 2015. 
In 2019, she was named a top 10 up-and-coming cinematographer and was the director of photography on the set of Rust. Joel Souza, age 48, is an American filmmaker and screenwriter who has written and directed five other films, none of which you have heard of, but he was a writer and director and a producer on the film Rust. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, age 24, daughter of prominent gunsmith Phil Reed, was the armorer or the weapons master on the Rust movie set. As the armorer, she was responsible for all of the weapons, and she either personally loaded or directly supervised the person who loaded the gun that killed Hutchins. This was only her second film as an armorer, and her first film in that capacity did not go all that well. And prior to filming Rust, in an interview, Gutierrez-Reed herself had expressed doubt as to her own experience level with firearms. And last but not least, David Halls is an American-born actor and film director who has been in the industry for 31 years. He has worked on movies like Fargo and The Matrix Reloaded. He was the assistant director on the film and one of his tasks was to double check the firearms before use to make sure that they were safe. So the next question becomes, how could this happen? And to understand that, you need to be familiar with the different kinds of guns that are used in filming and the different types of ammo that can be loaded into those guns. But before we walk through each, let's start off at the very beginning with the anatomy of a round. A unit of ammunition is called a cartridge or a round or a load. It is technically not called a bullet because the bullet is a component part of a live round and is completely absent in a blank round. The anatomy of a small arms round is pretty simple. And we're just talking about basic handguns and rifles in today's episode. There's all kinds of ammos for all kinds of weapons, but we're going to keep it simple. So a round has its casing on the bottom and the bullet on the top. Inside the casing is the gunpowder or the propellant, which accelerates the bullet. On the base is the primer that activates the propellant when struck by the gun's firing pin. So you pull the trigger, the firing pin hits the primer, which activates the gunpowder, propelling the bullet forward and out of the gun barrel, with the spent casing either being ejected or staying in the gun, depending upon the type of weapon. So here is another example. This is a round for an AK-47. You see the bullet on the end, the casing over here, inside of the casing is the gunpowder, and on the base, that is the primer. So that is the anatomy of a round. It's pretty simple. Now let's talk about the different types of rounds that exist for small arms. Now, of course, there are live rounds. Those are just regular cartridges that do what rounds do like this one. There is a bullet on the top of it. There is propellant inside of the casing. And once they are loaded, they are ready to rock and roll. Next, we have practice rounds. These contain a bullet, just like a regular live round, but they have 
less than normal amounts of propellant inside of the casing. Films will often have a quarter load or an eighth load rounds where there is significantly less gunpowder in that casing. Now the end result is that the bullets just don't go very far. The practice loads are used in law enforcement and military practice settings and also sometimes on movie sets. The drawback is that the sound, the bang, and the muzzle flash are muted because there's less gunpowder. So if the sound or if the flash are important to the shot, you don't want to use a practice round. Instead, you'll use a blank round. And those are cartridges that contain full propellants, but no bullet on the end. The casing is just crimped or capped at the end. Since it contains full gunpowder, you get an authentic sound and you get that full muzzle flash of the round, just no bullet comes out. These are ideal for movie sets or wildlife control or just shooting warning shots into the air. Now, while no bullet comes out of the barrel, gunpowder and hot gases do come out at a very high rate of speed. So you don't want to fire these things at anything at point blank range because blanks can still do damage and they can kill if fired at someone up close. Next are dummy or drill rounds. These are cartridges which contain a bullet but no propellant whatsoever. So these can't be fired. They have no gunpowder. Dummy rounds are used in training to check weapon function, and if you're teaching a room full of newbies how to load a handgun for the first time, you'll want to use dummy rounds. These rounds are usually fluted on the side of the casing so that you can tell them apart from live rounds by looking. So now that you understand the types of ammunition that can be used on a film set, let's talk about the variants of a firearm that you traditionally see there. Now on a set, there are usually several visually identical replicas of any given gun or weapon that will be given significant screen time during the filming. There is often the real version of the weapon. It is fully functional and capable of firing live rounds, although blanks or practice rounds are usually used on a movie set. Then there is what is called a blank gun. These guns visually appear to be exactly the same as the original weapon, but they can only fire blanks. Recall that blanks are smaller in size than live rounds because they don't contain a bullet on the end of them. So a live round cannot physically be loaded into a blank gun. They simply won't fit into the magazine of a pistol or the cylinder of a revolver. So blank guns are obviously much safer for use as props. Then there is the rubber version of the gun. Again, it is visually identical, but it doesn't function and is used when an actor's pistol whipping somebody or falling with the gun so that the actors aren't hurt by impacting metal. Finally, there is often an electric version of the gun. It is visually identical, but with an electric charge in the barrel. So you get a flash from the electric charge and a puff of smoke, but there's no bullets or projectiles that leave the weapon. So even at point blank range, electric guns are perfectly safe. 
So with any gun on a film set, you may have the real version, a blank version, a rubber version, and an electric version of the same exact weapon. And if several actors have guns, then it can get real confusing, especially with the real gun, given that you can load four different types of rounds into it. So how do you keep it all straight? Well, you hire a weapons expert whose sole job is to keep all of this organized and to keep everybody safe. These experts are generally referred to as a weapons master or an armorer, and they oversee all weapons that are used in production. This can mean anything from selecting the correct item for a certain period of history to taking care of the weapons on set and making sure that they are being used safely and properly by the actors and the stunt people. Now, prior to the 1980s, the prop master handled everything. But since that time, production crews are required to have a weapons specialist or an armorer when firearms are being used. From there, the Actors' Equity Association has established guidelines for armorers anytime a firearm is being used on a set. There's four basic rules. Number one, an armorer or weapons master is required to be on set anytime a firearm is being used. Number two, all loading and unloading of firearms must be done by the weapons master, armorer, or experienced persons working directly under their supervision. Number three, before each use on set, the firearm must be test-fired offstage. And number four, there should be an established chain of custody from the armorer to the talent, back to the armorer, so the gun can be safely unloaded and stored. So now that you have an understanding of the guns and the ammo and the firearm rules on a film set, let's examine exactly what happened on the film set of Rust. So it's October 21st of 2021. The crew is at the Bonanza Creek Ranch in Santa Fe, New Mexico, filming a shootout scene in the chapel. Alec Baldwin is sitting on a pew inside of the chapel getting ready to rehearse the scene. Cinematographer Helena Hutchins is behind the camera with director Joel Souza looking over her shoulder as the two are lining up the shot. Assistant director Dave Halls steps outside of the chapel and grabs a revolver, one of three guns sitting on a prop cart. He returns into the room and announces, Cold gun! Which means that it has no live ammunition, it's got no practice rounds, no blanks. Even a blank in a gun is considered a hot gun. Halls announces, This gun is cold. Well, of course, as we now know, he was wrong. Turns out the gun had been loaded, presumably by armorer Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, or someone under her direct supervision, with a live round. Halls doesn't test fire it, he doesn't inspect it, he simply hands the gun to Baldwin, who is rehearsing the upcoming scene, and who draws the revolver, points it at the camera, squeezes the trigger, firing a live round. A bang rings out in the chapel. Behind the camera, cinematographer Helena Hutchins feels a sting in her chest and stumbles backwards. Joel Souza feels fire in his shoulder as the bullet passes completely through Hutchins 
and lodges in the shoulder of the director. 911 is called immediately, but they could not save Hutchins, who dies on the way to the hospital. Sousa would survive. So then the investigation begins into how this could have happened. Most of the initial details we learned came from the search warrant obtained by the sheriff's department. Investigators wanted to examine the weapon fired as well as all of the prop guns and any footage of the incident that might have existed. Turns out there was none as they were only rehearsing at the time. The search warrant application specifically stated that, quote, the assistant director, Dave Halls, grabbed the revolver from the cart, called out cold gun on set, and gave it to Baldwin unaware that it was loaded with live rounds. Law enforcement would interview most of the cast and crew that day, with Gutierrez-Reed stating that, quote, no live rounds were kept on set, a statement that was obviously inaccurate. Baldwin would also meet with law enforcement and was obviously distraught when he was photographed in the parking lot of the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Department after being questioned after the incident. So let's break this down. Did they follow the rules? So regarding the Rust production, they did have an armorer on set and she presumably loaded the weapon. At least she hasn't said that she didn't. She just used live rounds. But even so, if she or Halls had test-fired the gun or just examined the rounds, it would have revealed live ammo and not blanks. So there was failure on multiple levels. So who is responsible for this mess? Well, the production company is always ultimately responsible for safety on the set. But individually, law enforcement has stated the focus of the investigation into responsibility is falling primarily on Gutierrez-Reed and Halls, and not Alec Baldwin. So in regard to Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, she was the expert on weapons hired for this movie. She was the armorer. So she or someone directly under her supervision inexplicably loaded the gun with a live round. She stated there were no live rounds allowed on the set at all, which obviously was false. Now, we have since learned that they had live rounds on site for use in target practice in between shoots, but Gutierrez-Reed, through her attorneys, has stated that none of her prop guns were ever used for this target practice. Regardless, the fact that a live round somehow became mixed with the blanks and then loaded into a prop gun is inexcusable. Since the incident, Rust crew members have described Gutierrez-Reed as being inexperienced and green, which echoed her own statements wherein she admitted on the Voices of the West podcast earlier this year that she nearly didn't take the position on Rust because she wasn't sure she was, quote, ready really didn't know what she was doing and thought loading blank rounds into a firearm was the scariest thing. Concerning statements coming from your supposed weapons expert, Richard Howell of Foxtrot Productions, a film armorer for 30 years of experience, said, quote, it's up to the armorer to prepare the firearms a day or two before and to test fire them to make sure everything's okay and the blank rounds are ready. Now, Gutierrez-Reed has now commented through her attorney saying that she has no idea 
how a live round got into the revolver, that she never saw anyone shoot a live round with one of her prop guns, and then she blamed production staff that canceled firearm safety meetings and rushed production, denying her time to properly prepare the film scenes. But she is not solely to blame. Production sources have said that assistant director David Halls was supposed to double-check every weapon before giving it to talent to make sure that they were safe. A Rust staffer said, quote, It was Dave Hall's job as first assistant director on this set to be personally verifying whether a weapon was hot or cold. This check alone should have prevented this incident. He's supposed to be our last line of defense, and he failed us. Now, recall that a cold gun indicates that there are no cartridges, not even blanks, inside of the firearm. A hot gun indicates the weapon is loaded with either live ammunition, practice rounds, or blank rounds. In the 911 call, script supervisor Mamie Mitchell can be heard in the background saying, quote, This effing AD yelled at me at lunch about revisions. This MFR, he's supposed to check the guns. He's responsible for what happened. Now, AD presumably is referring to assistant director, who was, of course, Dave Halls. Interestingly, Halls was fired from a film in 2019 for maintaining an unsafe working environment. That film was called Freedom's Path, and he was fired after an accidental gun discharge caused minor injuries to a crew member. And we also now know that in the days leading up to the incident, there was similar trouble brewing on the set of Rust. Six crew members had walked off of the set just hours before Hutchins was killed due to two accidental gun discharges over the weekend. One member commented, quote, that should be automatic grounds for termination on a union film set. You should be gone. The first time that gun went off, the whole department should have been replaced immediately. Clearly, production thought better of it, decided to roll the dice and pay the ultimate price, end quote. So let's talk about the legal ramifications of all this. Now, New Mexico's laws do provide for the potential for criminal charges regarding this matter. As to the specific charge, we know it's not murder, either first or second degree, or even voluntary manslaughter, because there was no intent to kill or the involvement with some sort of a dangerous felony activity. But involuntary manslaughter remains a very real possibility because it does not require intent, only criminal negligence, which could be charged here. Now, in regard to Alec Baldwin, he likely will not be charged with a crime as there was no criminal intent, recklessness, or even criminal negligence on his part. After all, he was told the gun was cold. It should have been test-fired before he even received it and confirmed safe, and no live ammo was even supposed to be on that set. So he's probably safe from criminal charges individually, although theoretically the production company of which he is a part could face criminal sanctions. However, whoever loaded the live rounds into that gun could be charged. This would have been Gutierrez-Reed or someone under her direct supervision, and Halls, the guy who picked up the gun, failed to inspect it, failed to test fire it, declared it cold, and then handed it to Baldwin. He could also be charged. In my opinion, do I think both of their actions constitute criminal negligence? You bet I do. 
So there probably will be criminal charges coming. Of note is that involuntary manslaughter in New Mexico carries a maximum punishment of only 18 months behind bars. As for civil liability, well, that is crystal clear. Negligence on behalf of the production company, which is owned in part by Baldwin and Souza, Gutierrez-Reed and Halls is a slam dunk. The only issue in the wrongful death case by Hutchins' husband and son is going to be how big is the check going to be. What's more complicated is Sousa's claim for personal injury against the same entities, with the production company being partially owned by him. So it's not every day when you are the plaintiff and the defendant in the same case. Now, insurance companies will battle that one out, but fortunately, Sousa's injuries were minor. Since the incident, Baldwin has expressed his condolences to the Hutchins family, including her husband and nine-year-old son, and attended a private memorial in her honor. He posted to Twitter, quote, There are no words to convey my shock and sadness regarding the tragic accident that took the life of Helena Hutchins, a wife, mother, and deeply admired colleague of ours. I'm fully cooperating with the police investigation to address how this tragedy occurred. There, of course, has been an outpouring of dismay and anger from all levels in the industry that something like this could happen. It has resurrected the memory of Brandon Lee, who is the son of Bruce Lee, who was killed by live ammo in a prop gun in 1993. So some have asked, why do they use any ammunition at all? Why don't they just add the gunfire in post-production with visual effects? Well, one of the reasons is that visual effects are expensive. So if you can, it's easier and cheaper to just use a prop at the set. And many in Hollywood say that actually firing blanks gets a more authentic reaction from the actors in the scene. So there's that. So everybody stay tuned to see how this all unfold. So that is the episode. I hope you enjoyed learning about firearms and ammunition that are used in film and television, as well as the rules that govern their use. Even though it was set against the backdrop of a terrible tragedy on the set of Rust. And of course, the thoughts and prayers of the Lawyer Up Nation are with the Hutchins family. That's it for today. I'm Joshua Roberts, attorney at law, and you've been watching Lawyer Up. Send lawyers, guns, and money. 